True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I'm your host, Justin Fraser, here today with Andrew Shutsky. Andrew, thank you for coming on the show, man. Pleasure to have you here. Pleasure is all mine. Thanks so much. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm glad to have you on. And, uh, you know, you recently had me on your show. We had a lot of fun on your podcast. Before we do anything, tell people uh, about that podcast and name and where they can find it. Sure. So the the show's name is Crushing Cashflow. Our official debut is March 15th, probably by the time this is released. It'll be live and well, and we're actually yep. on iTunes already. We're kind of in the marketing phase. Awesome. Uh, it's all about uh, real estate investments, and the, the name kind of goes into those who are out there crushing it, as well as those who have been crushed by business, their investments. So that's kind of <laughs> the tagline behind it. I love that. I love that. You know, we get real, real on the show and, and we talk about the, the wins and the losses. And right. yeah, we've all been crushed. If you've been in this business long enough, you've had some pretty tough days. Oh, so yeah. I love it. I love the show. Thank you for having me on. We had a lot of fun. So guys, make sure you go check out Andrew's show over there and give him a download and a, and a rating and review. We've got to support our, our friends here in the podcast biz. I love so, it. Uh, Andrew, tell the audience a little bit about uh, you. Uh, what? How did you get into investing and, and what, what kind of projects are you working on right now? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll take you way back real briefly. Uh, the seed was planted really early for me. I've always had an interest in, in, especially in real estate from an early age. I was that kid who would play Monopoly for hours and hours and hours and bludgeon my grandparents and my parents playing for three, four hours. And not, ironically, my son picked up on the same thing. So he does That's the awesome. same crap to us. So, so the seed was planted early. Maybe I ignored it for a while, you know, went through the normal high school, college thing. I was always good with technology. So I went down that career path for a while. But my first opportunity and my first uh, really investing piece was, you know, unintended, but I bought my first single family house. I was, I was young. I was just about at a college, uh, 21, 22 years old back in 2007. And I uh, bought my first single family and I kind of learned about before the, t- the coin was officially house hacking. I was like, hmm, maybe I could just rent out part of the house and live there very inexpensively. I was, at the time I was traveling like 50 weeks a year for management consulting. So I was never home. So at that, I was like, okay, let me see, let me see what's out there. I put out a, you know, I think it was a Craigslist ad back then and I got some tenants in there and I was living very cheaply and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I can do this. So I had really low expenses. Started to look at other single family opportunities, got a few out there in Delaware, Pennsylvania area. Uh, fast forward a few, about five or six years later, started to get into the short-term rental business down the Jersey Shore here area. And we're still down there now. That was a lot of fun. Uh, what I came to realize is I tried to scale that business, the VRBO, Airbnb, requires a lot of cash outlay for not a lot of return. Again, very fun. We still do it today on this, you know, kind of on the side, but as you look to scale to two, three, four or five properties, you know, for even with, uh, you know, my, my wife and I are very blessed to have two working incomes and then we do very well, but it's really hard to grow and scale from that. And eventually at that point, you want it to become your main source of business. I had to look elsewhere. So mm-hmm. we continue to look for more and more, you know, one of the smaller multifamily scale, we we're looking at like six, eight, 10 units down in Florida and everything. And 
even that it's a lot of work for not a lot of return and you can't go that quickly. Right. So we started to think more and more, I started to do a little more research and it really wasn't until, you know, sad to say it wasn't until maybe midway through last year that I really did a lot of research and landed on the multifamily, the larger scales piece on the syndication side. And I turned to a buddy of mine who I used to work with as a, he was a, he's a commercial broker down in DFW, super hot market, as you know, mm-hmm. and he works for a firm called Gray Steel and started to pick his brain. And I feel like that was the inflection point for me when I just went all in, I, you know, I read, I don't know, 20, 30 plus books in a two month period, took a bunch of courses, started to network my face off, uh, built the LLC and the apartment syndication business very quickly, hired a mentor. Uh, and then, you know, kind of just started putting my name out there, going to the multifamily events, et cetera, and went really fast, really hard. And it was tough to do. And it still is tough to do with a full-time job, 50 plus hours. And I'm devoted to that as well. And I enjoy it. But uh, that's kind of my, what my three minute pitch into how I got into multifamily. Yeah. Well, you know, I, we have had some guests on here that, that are full-time in, in their jobs and we have had, you know, the opposite, but, and a lot of our listeners are, are mixed as well, but what's the thought process behind, you know, thinking, look, I, I love my job. My wife loves her job. You know, we're going to do this on the side, yep. you know, Talk us through that sort of decision and what you're expecting in terms of, you know, hours, when you're going to be working, how you're going to be working, you know, because obviously you're, you're tied up during the day. Yes. Yeah. And I'm one of those guys that like, Hey, I really want to run out of my job. Like we're very fortunate. I've worked really hard to get where I am uh, in the corporate side of things. I really enjoy it. You know, I plan to do it for a while in parallel. So the way I've been making it work and uh, number one, having a very good understanding wife has been really uh, tremendously helpful as well. Yeah. I mean, if she wasn't on board, I wouldn't be able to do it because it's a lot of sacrifice, right? 100%. There's no magic bullet. You know, it's, I, I pretty much have to dedicate, you know, between 6.30 in the morning till 4.30, 5 o'clock at night for the corporate work. Maybe, you know, occasionally you get, you know, a lunch hour investor call in, but I don't count on that really. That's, mm-hmm. that's the exception, not the norm. So I, you know, a traditional time blocking you I know you have a project management background. So, do I, yeah, so yeah. I tend to view the world of like step A, step B, you know, it's mm-hmm. a strategy thrown in, but you know, really it's uh, my normal six or seven to five during the week. And then the weeknights are for investor time, you know, work on the website, writing blogs, doing the podcast thing, uh, doing mm. some editing there, marketing, branding, networking, bigger pockets. Uh, so, you know, really it's, it's that a lot to do. It's a lot second job kicks in yeah. at 5 PM. It just, it just gets going. And then the weekends, I, I lean on a lot of the early morning hours. So like my kids fortunately are good sleepers, so they don't get up until, I don't know, eight or nine o'clock at the earliest. So I, I, I usually fill that 5 a.m. to 8 or 9 a.m. window. And I hit it hard then. So that's that's how we wow. make it. Everybody's different. I'm an early riser and I, you know, my energy tends to taper off later in the day. Yeah, yeah. So I try to just hit it harder, hit it early in the day. Wow, so. that that's tough, man. That is tough. Yeah. Uh, you know, blocking off the time makes sense. Um, but yeah, you've got this other big commitment. So, so are you, uh, I know you have a deal going on now. Like, are you planning, you know, are you doing it all yourself, start to finish from finding the deal, underwriting the deal, raising the capital, or have you brought on some partners? Absolutely not doing it myself. And, I, <laughs> and honestly, um, I, you know, since I'm looking at mainly buildings of, you know, I'd say mid to larger scale, 80 units and up only, there's no way I'd have the time or the experience for that matter to do it on my own. So yeah. the, kind of the way I found my way into this deal was I just kind of started, everybody I was meeting, just kind of telling them like you and I talked. 
hey, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm good at. And, and for me, it's I really enjoy the investor relations, the marketing, the packaging. I mean, it kind of goes back to what I do in the corporate world, right? A lot of it, I mean, the tech side of things, but a lot of my job is not traditional like coding or anything like that. It's right. a lot of the sales and marketing, business value realization, the financials, managing multi-million dollar budgets. So I kind of, you know, my background leads me to the investor relations side, to some of the financial pieces. I've got a lot of work I've done in construction on the single family and, and the kind of the more wholesale commercial space. But um, so I, that, that's kind of been my background. And in this deal, I've been contributing a lot on, again, like building the story behind it, mm -hmm. making the numbers work, working with investors, helping raise capital, et cetera. So and I'll stick to that mold. I mean, my time's limited. You know how it is. It's tough. Mm -hmm working, you know, like I said, 50 hours a week in your first job before you get to the second. So I'm trying yeah. to really focus on what I'm good at and just working with people who can complement that. Like, I don't have time to look at 200 deals a week, right? I would, I enjoy that part of it, but just being realistic about, you know, I'm working the W2, I'm going to have that for mm -hmm. a period of time, you know, let's stick to what I'm good at, which like I said, is the investor side and uh, a lot in the raising capital. I absolutely could not agree more. Like even when we are full-time on the full-time side, like we are focusing, each team member is focusing on what they're really good at. Because if I'm trying to do everything, I'm going to get spread too thin and I'd rather do what I can focus on and what I'm good at rather than, you know, something that's, that's foreign to me or, or I'm not so great at. So, um, you know, that's, that's really great. So how let's, I want to talk some, some details, nitty gritty. You make this decision last year that you want to get into larger multifamily now you're part of a team. So let's bridge that gap a little bit. How do we go from the educating, being on bigger pockets, listening to podcasts to yeah. even finding the right people that you want to work with? A great question. And uh, you know, again, there's no magic answer. I'm not sure I have perfected the process. But well, your answer will do. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Um, yeah. So I, like I said before, I was just hammering away. Like I got out of this multifamily conference in, in, I think it was December or January. And I was meeting with, I don't know, 10, 15 people a week for a, a period of weeks and just trying to find out like, hey, where is their potential? Like, where is that crack in the door I could kind of mm -hmm. work into? And I met an individual uh, based out of Florida and we just we were talking and uh, he's like, Hey, I've got a, a couple things going on. And I'm like, Hey, great. Um, what are you, what could I help with? Or what could I potentially help with? Here's my background here are my strengths. And he's like, Hey, I've got this, this thing going on in Georgia. I'll send you, I'll send you some details. It's early on the process. We're still negotiating, but I was like, look, you know, I, I really love to help you guys pitch or package it together. I'll sweep the floors. Like, I mean, yeah. I just want to get in. I mean, I've got lots of real estate background, just not multifamily. So whatever it is, you know, I've got a job. I don't need like a huge cut of the income. Just let me help out. Like, let me bring some of my corporate experience to this and, and my single family stuff. And they're like, great. We should, we have a lot of deals going on. We could just use the heavy lifting. And I'm like, great. I'll be, I'll be the mule. I mean, that's fine. I mean, it's a little humbling, right? But you got to start somewhere. So that's kind of where Absolutely. my head Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you have some real estate experience to go off of, but this business, this 80, 100 unit plus property business is a new business for you. And yep. you've got the absolute right attitude. It's where can yep. I help a team? Where can I add value? You know, you're not going to get rich on this first deal and probably not right. the next deal or the deal after that. But eventually you'll build off uh, enough experience and credibility that you will be comfortable and confident running your own project and it will start to pay off. And, and I'm sure that's why you're doing it because you can see that long range vision. Yep. Too often I talk to people that are like, okay, how do I make 50,000 a month next month? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> don't ask me. Cause I don't know. It takes a long time to build, you know, a, a reputation and experience and, and you'll get there, but it's going to take some time. 
Absolutely. And then for me, maybe my, my incentives are a little bit different too. Like, like I said, we've got jobs, we plan to keep them for a while. And yes, there's a financial freedom aspect. It's probably, you know, 10 years down the line and be able to do all these cool things in my family. But what I realized was, which is unique about multifamily versus a single space is you're not only helping yourself, you're helping a lot, dozens or hundreds of other investors. You're helping other people, you're partnering. There's much more camaraderie behind it. And being in like kind of a networking relationships guy, I love that part of it. Yeah. And that's what got me hooked. I, I say this all the time on all of our episodes, but yeah. you know, real estate is a, is win, 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 right? The, yep. the tenants are winning because we're investing in the property and making the, the property better. The staff is winning because we're employing them. The uh, investors are winning because they're all making money and we're winning because you know we're making money too and we're building a business. So everyone gets to profit and succeed together, which is one of the best parts of, of multifamily investing for sure. So let's talk about that. So you approach them and you say, hey, I've got some corporate experience. I want to be involved. Um, how does it now? Now, let's let's just pause real quick. You guys have not closed yet, right? As of Correct. Recording. Yeah, okay, we're so hopefully, fingers that. crossed, a matter of weeks away. We're, Perfect. We're kind of so you're a few weeks away. Yep. Um, how do you negotiate with this team? How do you figure out, you know, best role, best compensation for that role? You know, just talk, talk about that a little bit. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a trial and error too. I mean, cause I, I, maybe I underbid myself too, just to get my foot in the door and that's okay. I mean, I mainly, I just wanted yeah. to get in and my, the kind of lesson learned for me is, you know, maybe I should have been earlier on the communication process about who was doing what, cause I kind of put myself out to do probably more than I should. So it was a little bit of, okay, what, what can I help with? And then, okay, and I was, I was partnering with three other gentlemen and one guy is doing a lot of the heavy lifting and I'm helping him out. I knew what his cut was. So I said, hey, I threw a number out there and said, hey, how about X percent? I don't know exactly how much I'm going to be able to raise, but um, I have pretty good confidence, you know, the number is X, whatever it may be. And he's like, okay, cool, whatever, whatever you can do to chip in. And I was like, look, I'm willing to dig in to, you know, help you with the property management side, asset management, just to get the reps in too. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I threw a number out there and he was like, cool. I was like, I probably went too low, but, you know. <laughs> but, you know, again. You always get that uncomfortable feeling when they accept your first uh, offer, Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But again, I'm not doing this to get rich. I'm doing it Correct. to get experience, you know, yeah. working off the experience, like the main GP here has got almost 3000 doors. So he, he knows Great. he's been in the business a long time. So I consider it, I, I was telling the guy, I consider it an internship more or less. Yeah. Yeah. So, Man, you got such the right attitude, you know, yeah. because when this thing closes and you're operating it, you know, you're going to be able to point to this deal and say, I was a part of it. Right. Yep. And, and you're not going to, maybe you, sh I don't think you should go on Facebook and say, this is my deal. Look what I did, but yeah. I'm a part of this team. We did this together. I contributed. Here's what I learned. And, you know, you're going to carry that through to your podcast and the lessons learned there. Yep. And you just, you know, now then you'll be that much more confident for the next one. And the one after that. Absolutely. Um, so give us any sort of lessons learned or surprises that you might've had through this whole process of w working with new partners and, and how big is this deal? How many, how many units? The 94 unit. Okay. So, so bringing on this 94 unit through the yep. due diligence phase, through the capital raising phase, um, what, what's something that, you know, you is surprising to you that you weren't expecting based on all the, the research and, and education you did beforehand? And, and this, you know, I should know better from doing all my single family rehabs, et cetera. But, you know, I wish I had gotten down to the property earlier and the CapEx planning process and you're, you being an asset manager and kind of getting a feel for everything, you kind of know, what could go wrong, but like, I feel like we're getting little bits of information release, released from the property manager through the way, the guys that are boots on the ground. And I'm like, crap, this would have been easier because we already started the raise, right? So we already have a yeah, number of, of already have projected returns. Nothing major yet. I mean, but 
or, or I'm kind of factoring in a cushion for unknowns, like galvanized piping in a mid seventies sure. build, like, you know, you know, all the <laughs> dangers that can come with that. But, you know, I think getting boots on the ground, as soon as you have that offer accepted, you know, time permitting, of course, for me, I should have just taken a weekend day and gotten down there, but so it just would have made the communication and process smoother. Cause like once you have, you know, it is, once you have the attorney dropped the uh, docs drafted like PPM, OM, it's kind of firmed up and this changes become exponentially more expensive or, you know, painful to communicate out to the team. And with four people involved and they're in, they're in a bunch of different deals. So communication is key and that's, yeah. you know, personal, professional, whatever it may be. I can't stress that enough. It sounds like a cliche, but the earlier you can kind of voice your concerns, the better everybody feels and you're a little less stressed out that way. So yeah. whether it's you find something else in the property, you're like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta put another 200 K and they're like, no, you know, it's <laughs> this is what it is. So you're like, okay, my, you know, less than learn. We probably have enough padding anyway. It's no big deal. Yeah. But next deal, if it's a 200 unit or a 300 unit, you know, the ripple effects are there. So the expenses get large. The Correct. expenses get real large if you miss something. And even if you don't miss something, sometimes there's just expenses. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll give you an example from this morning. We, yeah. <laughs> oh man, my property manager called me. We have. Um, we have a uh, some sewer lines that have been clogging up, and you know we did some investigation and exploration, and it turns out the sewer lines are under um, some of the buildings are just totally degrading, uh-huh. and they're just falling apart. And we scoped a lot of the sewer lines. Um, I guess we didn't scope those that building or those buildings over there, and so uh, we're we're going to be in trouble uh, as far as you know. The cost, right? It's going to be somewhere around a quarter million dollars for everything to be done. But wow. the good news is we have contingency. We have other, we had some money in place for this already. And we're, you know, we have enough that we can move around. And we've actually had some really good cost savings on some other pro- big projects. So believe it or not, we can absorb an extra quarter million dollar cost without actually impacting our bottom oh, line yeah. or, or anything. Um, but that goes to just showing you like there are always surprises and hopefully yours is not a quarter million dollar surprise, but these things yeah. tend to happen, you know? It, it's all dependent on the scale of the property. Yeah. Like quarter million on, on a single family house would cost. Oh, well, no, that would kill you. This is a, yeah. uh, you know, $18 million project I'm okay. talking about. So yeah. it's these proportionally, it's not as yet, yeah, not as big. Yeah. Yeah. So in my world, if it was a $50,000 expense, yeah, it hurts, but yeah. we can, we can weather that. No big exactly. Thing. We, we right. plan on the we'll end out. to an extent. Right. But it's, it's always like the roofs, the HVAC, the plumbing, mm-hmm. You know. the big ticket capex times a couple of water heaters here and there even 10 of them yeah no big deal you know yeah and you should be building that into your capex plan anyway i mean Correct. we always build in a number of water we figure you know a third of the water heaters and a third of the hvacs are going to go in the first year because that's just how it goes right yeah, so we always build those into our capex plan yep uh, so that yeah it's just you know these things go and you you would think especially like oh we just got through the summer presumably they're all working, right? You would yeah. think. And then it's like, no, actually all of them are broken. <laughs> it's even, even in our, our single family world, the short properties, et cetera, like as soon as this rental season ends, it's like, you know, for us, it's like early September. Like there's always some leak. There's always some yeah. kind of HVAC issue. It's like day one, oh, here's a $10,000 bill. So, you know, you just think about that at scale when you have a hundred doors. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. That's yep. tough. Yeah. Um, well, Andrew, this has been very educational and informational for anyone that's looking to join a general partnership team, add value, get into the multifamily space. So, so helpful. Um, 
I want you to uh, let our audience know, we, you already mentioned the podcast, you mentioned that again, where they can find out more about you and your company. And then uh, I'm going to ask you for your true multifamily tip. So start with the promotion. Absolutely. So um, as far as how to get a hold of me, so the company is called Redline Equity. You can find us on the web at investwithredline.com. We're on Facebook, we're on LinkedIn, send a bat signal, whatever it may be. My email is andrew, A-N-D-R-E-W, at investwithredline.com. Uh, crushing cash flow. Again, the debut is coming up March 15th. By the time you hear it, it's likely going to be in iTunes, all the major streaming media, Spotify, Our Radio, all that stuff. So uh, looking forward to connecting with you guys. Great, great. Okay, Andrew, uh, if anyone missed any of that, Andrew's information will be on our website, truemultifamily.show, his bio, his links, all of that great stuff. Andrew, someone approaches you and says, Andrew, how do I get into multifamily investing? What is your true multifamily tip for them? So for me, it's a 50-50 it's a of absolutely relentless education and networking, right? Because I think one without the other, you know, uninformed networking doesn't leave you in a good place. Yeah. And lots of education will leave you as a professor, not as an investor. So to yeah. me, it's 100% full in, full tilt on both of those. You, you know, without a doubt, you'll find something. So I could not agree more. Such good advice. Andrew, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, if you guys like this episode, please leave us a rating and review. We love to hear from you. Thanks so much. Check out Andrew's information on our website, truemultifamily.show. Andrew, hope you have a great day, man. Thanks for coming. Thanks, on. brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have the show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.